your Bibles, turn with me a while to Proverbs. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs again this morning. We're going to be there, um, the reality, for the majority of the summer. We have a couple guest preachers coming in here and there, but um, I was looking at it this morning. I think it'll take me probably till August, uh, maybe early, maybe late, maybe all of August, I don't know, to get through everything we want to get through here in the book of Proverbs. Um, but we've been diving into this, this series in Proverbs, and you know, every Monday morning, what I often do Monday mornings, Monday's my day off, and, but when I get up, kind of my time with the Lord, I just really begin to dive into what I'm going to preach next week. And I just take that passage of scripture or that topic and I really begin to kind of dig in, pour over it. And uh, this week, I was, um, you, know, re, you know, speaking on words, or words, or speech. And one of the things that often happens in your preaching or as you're in your preparation to preach you become convicted yourself. And, um, but let me tell you, this week was a brutal week for that. Like talking about our words and our speech. And I just felt tremendous conviction um, for like, things that I've said, things that I shouldn't have said, things that I didn't say, but I should have said, you know, just all of those things. And so again, this morning, this is one of those things that's really good if we just draw a circle around ourselves and hear for ourselves. Now, Last week, we talked about fools. We talked about fools. And, um, you know, I got a question or two this week, at, um, you know, from um, Matthew's gospel, Matthew 5, where it said, you know, that Jesus said we shouldn't call anyone a fool. So should we call people fools if, Matthew, if Jesus said Matthew shouldn't call anyone a fool? Well, first, Scripture interprets Scripture. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, was quite comfortable with calling people fools. What you need to understand is what was Jesus talking about in Matthew um, I said, uh, 12, I believe it actually is, or I'm sorry, 5 or 12, one of those, but in Matthew 5 it was, what was he talking about? When he says that you should never say to someone, raka, which means empty-headed, <laughs> how many of us have been guilty of that? They, 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 they have nothing in there, like guilty, right? Like how many, we've all said that, like somebody who's empty-headed, or it says, and if you've said called someone raka or you've called them a fool, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Now, what you need to understand, it's not that the word fool that he was concerned about. It was in the context of speaking about being angry, hateful towards one another, and that we can have a heart of murder even if we don't actually murder someone. And so when he says that if you call someone a fool or, or say to them that they're empty-headed, what he's really after here is you shouldn't speak about someone in a way to damage their reputation, to do harm to the reputation. And we're going to see that a lot this morning too about gossip and slander. And so it wasn't that Jesus was necessarily forbidding calling someone a fool, but then you could call him some other name. See, it's funny how we play little games like this. Well, I just won't call him a fool, but I'll call him something else. And we all can list a sample of things we would say instead, right? It's not about the word, it's about the intent. Um, and that's so much of what Jesus spoke about. But today are words. You know, words are, words are powerful. Words have a lasting impact, both good and bad. God is a God who speaks. God spoke through his word. He spoke through his prophets, through the apostles. The Holy Spirit indwells us as believers, and he's leading and uh, ministering to us and, and speaks to us in ways through his word, through other people. There are ways that, that God is moving and speaking um, never in any way that goes against his written word. 
Okay? And to fact and believe that God still speaks to us in a personal way today doesn't threaten God's word at all. We believe the canon of scripture is closed and everything is measured by what is written in this book, right? But God is a God who speaks. In the beginning, John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God is a God who speaks. Christ himself is called the word. God is a speaking God and words have power. God has so much power that he spoke everything into creation from nothing, just from his spoken word. Words have power. God intended it to be that way. The words would have power. Psalm or Proverbs speaks about words or language or lips or tongue or mouth more than any other topic. There's probably 150 references in, Psalm, in Proverbs to our words, our mouth, our lips, our tongue. It's a really important thing to Solomon because our words reveal whether we fear God or we don't, whether we are wise or whether we're foolish. And the reality is we can be very wise the majority of our times, but sometimes our words for a brief moment reveal a lot of folly. Right? That happens. Happens in my life. Happens in all of our lives. Why does this matter? Because words have power. And the wise learn to control their tongue. And foolish people don't learn to control their tongue. James, in James chapter 3, he said that man is able to tame all kinds of animals, wild animals, but no one can tame the tongue. But we should tame the tongue. We should learn to control it, to have it under control and submission. He talks about the, the tongue. It, it's, he said it like it, it's such a small member, but it can set such a large blaze. Like just from a spark, from a match, you can start a giant forest fire, right? Just from the words of our mouths, we can start incredible battles or fires. Or Our words can either start a fire or put one out. Our words have incredible power, incredible power. Proverbs 15, Proverbs 15, verse 2, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pour out folly. Now, again, we're going to be in a lot of places in the book of Proverbs this morning. So I would just encourage you, like, well, look at Proverbs 18. We're going to be in Proverbs 18, 20, and 21, kind of launching out of there. But I'm going to reference a lot of scriptures. I would just encourage you to write them down, listen to what I say about them, and then look them up for yourself this week. But Proverbs 15, verse 2, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Now, it's really easy to think of other people right now. But think of ourselves. Think of yourself. Draw a circle around yourself. Now, how many of you can think of a time where you said something? That just the thought of what you said right now <laughs> makes you like, I can't believe I said that. I cannot believe I said that, right? Like, we all have had those situations, those times. Verse 7 of chapter 15, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. Sometimes we say foolish things. When I was first married, within the first year of marriage, most of you have heard this story, some of you didn't. I said a really foolish thing to my wife. I was frustrated one day because I went to my sock drawer and there was no clean socks. And I had the audacity to say to my wife, 
that when I put my socks in the laundry at home, mom had them back in the drawer the next day. I did. I said it. Those words came out of my mouth. She said, if you want to live with your mother and have her do your laundry, you're free to do so. Dumb. Dumb. Foolish. See, we're all, like, we all say things. Like, and, and sometimes there's those things, like, you've ever said something, it's on your way out of your mouth, and you're like, oh, this is not good. But then you're like, I already started, I might as well finish. No, no. It's better to leave them guessing than to know. Like, just reel it in. Like, but we say really wise words at times and some really foolish words. And sometimes it can be really difficult to control what we say. That's why I have learned that, that I know that there are certain situations that make it more difficult for me to control my words. I'm not going to tell you what those situations are, but I have learned in those situations that I need to distance myself, I need to move myself to a different place, almost slipped and said where it is, but it's difficult to control. And in a weak moment, we can speak words that can cause irreparable damage. Because you can speak something and then later say, I didn't mean it that way. No, you did. You said it. And once it's out, I don't know about you, but I can think back to words that were spoken when I was much younger and I can still remember exactly what was said because words can cause irreparable damage. It's difficult to control, and in a weak moment, we can say things we don't want to say or that we wish we hadn't said. That's why Solomon said this in Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever keeps his mouth in his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. So I always say it's better to wish you had said something but didn't than to wish you hadn't but did, right? It's always better to... To wish I had said that, but I didn't, then man, I wish I hadn't said that. And I can tell you, I have a whole lot more, I have a whole lot longer list of I wish I hadn't than I wish I had. Anybody else? No, no one really remembers unless you said what you shouldn't have said. Now, words, body language can cause great trouble. Do you know a saying that many, we've all heard, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Is that true? That's not true at all. That's not true at all. I've had broken bones. I've had plenty of broken bones. I don't remember, I, I, I don't think about them. I don't think about them anymore. But I can think about words that hurt from 30 years ago, from 40 years ago. I can remember things that hurt. Words hurt. You know, sometimes, one of the things that we need to understand, sometimes the unspoken words, words that should have been spoken, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but words that should have been spoken but weren't, that can be very harmful and hurtful as well. Brings us to point number one. Words have power. Words have power. Now I'm going to read our scripture for today, Proverbs 18. Verse 20 and 21, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. From the fruit of a man's mouth, 
He is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life, here it is, are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. James says in James chapter 3 that from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. So here, Solomon says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words have power. Words have the power to bring death or life, to bring blessing or cursing. Words have power. Our words, my words, your words, they have incredible power, the power of words. Now, the average person, this is a stat that always like, leaves me, like I, I don't really know if this is true, but I've read it over and over that the average person speaks between 16 and 18,000 words a day. It's a lot of words. Some of you are like, there's no way I speak that many words a day. You're right. You probably don't because there's someone else who speaks 50,000 words a day. And they're upsetting the odds. Stop it. <laughs> See? But we speak a lot of words, way more than we understand. And this is really uncomfortable for a preacher to talk about this. You're like, well, like, is this going to be a 5,000-word sermon? or a... It's not going to be my shortest. But in those 16 to 18,000 words, we're either speaking something of value or of no value or of little value. Literal, the power of death in life, power to build up, to encourage, power to tear down and to discourage. Now, Proverbs 18, verse 20, he says, from the fruit of the man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Some people, what that is saying there in verse 20, there are some people who just love to hear themselves talk. They just love to hear themselves talk. They just, they're satisfied by the fruit of their lips. They love to talk. And you're like, well, I know that person. We all know that person. There's, there's always someone in our life who's like that, but it's not so important about other people today. It's drawing the circle around ourselves. Words have power. Your words, my words, they have power. Power to build up, power to tear down. Those who love to listen to themselves, often don't listen to hear. They listen to respond. Does that make sense? Like you're just listening, but the whole time, you're not really listening. You're just listening to respond. You're just listening for a moment where there's enough, of, where they stop to take a breath, where you can interject and then hijack the conversation because you love to hear yourself talk because words have power. Words have incredible power. We see the power of words. Words have power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Several weeks ago, someone said to me, there's five words someone said to me. I'm not going to tell you what they said. I'm not going to tell you where it was, but someone said five words to me. And the way they put them together so significantly impacted me. I don't think this person had any clue how God would use that. But I remember where I was standing. I will remember the rest of my life, I believe, where I was standing. And who was there when this person said these five words to me? They have significantly impacted my life. The person had no clue. I'm sure they didn't. Because words have power. Now, that was a positive experience for me. Does that make sense? It was a building. But I can also think back to times where people said five or less words that were destructive. And you remember, you can remember where you were standing. You can remember who was there. Words have incredible power. Number two, words can bring destruction. Proverbs 18, 21, death is in the power of the tongue. 
Death is in the power of the tongue. James 3, blessing and cursing come from the same mouth that ought not be so. Blessing and cursing. Death is in the power of the tongue. Cursing is in the power of the tongue. What James is saying, out of some mouths, both come out. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be life and death out of the same tongue and the same mouth. It should be one. Or the, and it should be life. It should be uh, building up. It should be blessing. Words can bring destruction. People, foolish people, cause destruction with their words. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you're around people who say a lot, they just talk a lot. And every now and then they say something that's like a golden, like it's a, like real, but you don't, you almost don't catch it because they say so much other stuff. Like you can't even hear the, like that bit of nugget of truth. It was like, oh man, you should really grab a hold of that. But I also know people who hardly ever say anything. And when they speak, you're like, you're really attentive. But you know, the, the thing that words, there can also be what Words can be destructive by the things we say or the things that we fail to say that we should have said. Does that make sense? Sometimes people feel destroyed by our lack of words, by our lack of affirmation. Proverbs 18, verse 6 and 7, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. I, I love it. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. Okay, just for, just for a moment, let's step outside of our own circle. All right, let's give us permission. Let's step out. We all know that person that every time they talk, you just want to punch them in the mouth. That's what Solomon's saying. Their mouth invites a beating. They talk and you're like, oh, would, like, I would just love to shut your mouth. Like, like it's wow, well, it is. Like, but here's the thing. Was, like, when I went to high school... If you bullied somebody or you like ran your mouth and you shouldn't have, you know what happened? You just got punched in the mouth. That's all that happened. You got punched in the mouth. If you were a girl, you got your hair pulled, you know, whatever. But you, like, and, and you know what? You, you might even got knocked out. But they didn't call the cops. And there was no like concussion protocol. They're like, he's speaking funny. I know, isn't it hilarious? That's all it was. That's all it was. I mean, that's how when I went to school. Now, like, you just, like, you, like, I mean, do anything, and the cops are there, and it's, and I'm not saying that's bad or good. I just, I just think sometimes people need a good old-fashioned pop in the mouth, right? You know, it's just, it's just, now, I'm not condoning that. Do you hear me? Do you understand? I'm just trying to convey what Solomon's saying is sometimes fool's mouths invite a beating. That's all he's saying. We all know that person. And um, sometimes we've been that person. A fool's mouth is his ruin. His lips are a snare to his soul. It's interesting. A fool's mouth is his own ruin. It ruins him. It snares his soul. He's destructive. He's a fool. Proverbs 10. The mouth of the fool brings ruin near. Proverbs 11, verse 9. Proverbs 11, verse 9. Um, with his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. With his mouth, godless people destroy other people. It's a fool. If our speech about others is meant to destroy and harm their reputation, you're a fool. It's destructive. Fools use their mouths to destroy other people. Proverbs 11 Verse 11, by, I'm sorry, yeah, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. By the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. 
The mouth of the righteous will exalt his town. The mouth of the wicked will bring it to ruin. Now, we live in small town Pennsylvania, right? And there's something beautiful about living in small towns. But there's something really difficult about living in small towns. And the difficulty is everybody thinks they know everything about everybody else. And everyone's concerned about everyone else's business. And people talk about stuff that they have no business talking about. You know what's really interesting? Like guys that I, ministry friends of mine who minister in larger towns and bigger cities. It's really hard for them to understand ministry in small towns. And it's really hard for me to understand what ministry is like in their big towns because in the, like no one cares. Like everyone, like, like there's too many people, there's too much stuff going on, but, and there are communities, small town communities, there are small town school districts that are ruined by fools because they don't know when to keep their mouth shut. And now you know what's made it worse? I'm not anti-social media, but social media has made it worse. I saw this meme the other day of like two dogs. It was, they, they were fighting. It was actually, this is two, two people on social media. And they're like, there was a gate in between them. And they're just flying each other. Like, and then somebody opened the gates and they're just like walking past each other. Like, that's social media, right? Like, this is what we do on the internet. We're like, we vent, we say stuff we would never say in person. Fools bring destruction. Proverbs 16 27 and 28, a worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. Verse 28, a dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisper separates close friends. Have we not seen this? Whispers. What does that mean? Whispers, spreading rumors and gossip. It separates close friends. We've all experienced this. We've all seen it happen. Destroying destructive speech. Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. Proverbs 17, verse 20, a dishonest tongue falls into calamity. Proverbs 10, verse 8, whoever slanders is a fool. What is slander? That is speaking about someone with the intent to harm their reputation. To cause others to think less of them. Whoever does that, it says, is a fool. Now, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that none of us, that, that we haven't all been guilty of this at some point in our lives. But whoever slanders, harms the reputation of another, is a fool. Proverbs 16, verse 28, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisper separates close friends. In Proverbs eleven thirteen, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Proverbs 18, verse 8, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the innermost parts of your body. The words of slander, of gossip, are like delicious morsels. Now, it's like we all love those little bits of information. And it says they're like delicious morsels that go down into our soul. Now, delicious morsel. What is that? Like for me, like dark chocolate, peanut butter cup. Dark chocolate. I mean, milk chocolate's fine when I was a little, when I was a baby, but now that I'm old, like dark chocolate. Like I'll eat the milk chocolate too. You're like, well, I'll eat it, yes. But I love those dark chocolate, Reese Pieces, peanut butter cups. It's an incredible, it's incredible. It's just like 
And like, so, but you're like, oh, now I know it's favorite candy. I can get a whole bag of it. No, don't get me a whole bag because I can't stop once I start. So just spare me. My wife has the ability to make one of those little cups last three days. She does. She'll open it and she'll bite it. And then she'll wrap it back up. Who does that? You open one, like you open the bag and you open one. Like I'm just like, just like, I don't have a shut off once I get started. So I just don't start. Gossip is like that. It's delicious. We like it. It goes down to the innermost parts of our soul is what Solomon is saying. So here's the problem. When we hear gossip and slander about someone, even if in the end it's proven not to be true, your opinion and how you view that person will be changed. When we gossip and slander someone, we are being fools. When we receive it, we're being foolish. It goes into our innermost parts. Even a quote I read this week, even if the facts may be false, the damage goes deep and it's hard to ever see that person the same again because a negative emotion has been attached. When you hear gossip, you should respond. As a pastor, I've had to do this frequently. People come to me and start unloading about someone else. I'm just like, wait, have you spoken to them about this yet? No. Then I can't hear you. Because Proverbs 18 says, if you're involved with your brother, you go talk to them about it. Does that make sense? So when someone starts unloading to you about someone else, you need to meet, wait, wait, have you talked to them about this? No. Then you can't talk to me about it. And if you're not part of the problem or part of the solution, you have no business listening. If you're not part of the problem or the solution, why are we carrying the words on? So when you hear gossip, it only moves on if there's willing ears to hear. And so we must challenge it. How do you know this to be true? I mean, just are you sure this is true? Would you share this story if they were here? Would you want this shared about you even if it is true? You see, we think sometimes if we share facts about people that are true, that it's not gossip or slander. But if your intent for sharing it is to, call, to cause harm to the reputation, it's still that. Now, that's why in Proverbs it says, to answer, don't answer a fool according to his folly. In the next verse it says, answer him according to his folly. There takes wisdom. There's times we have to speak about things. But it takes tremendous wisdom in the fear of the Lord. Because words can destroy. Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19, it says there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are abomination. And the seventh thing is he says he hates those who sow discord among the brethren. Did you ever hear the thing, you know, God hates sin, but he loves a sinner? And, you know, there, there's some truth to that. But if you read that, Proverbs 6, verse 19, it says God hates those. It's talking about people who sow discord among the brethren. Those who intend to harm someone else's reputation to speak. You know, you can speak something that is true, but depends on what you accentuate and what you, what you, you can almost embellish a story by even saying facts that are true. God hates that. And he hates people who do that. Words can be destructive. 
flattering words. Proverbs 29, verse 5. The man who flatters his neighbor speaks, spreads a net for his feet. Proverbs 12, verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. There's people that when they speak, or at times when they speak, their words are like sword thrusts. Uh, they just cut. It's destructive. See? It's destructive. And one of the things that I know that I've been guilty of often in my life is I may have said something true, but the tone of my voice didn't match the crime. If that makes sense? My tone doesn't match. And when that happens, it's like a sword thrust. It's unhelpful. Words can be destructive. Words can be destructive. Number three, words can bring life. Words can bring life. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Life is in the power of the tongue. James 3, blessing is in the power of the tongue. Words can build up, can bring life. Proverbs 15, verse 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge. The lips of wise people who fear God, their lips spread knowledge. Proverbs 10, verse 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. I love that. The mouth of the righteous person, his mouth is like a fountain of life. It brings forth life. It, it, it pours out life. The mouth of the righteous person brings, is a fountain of life. Proverbs 10, 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. Proverbs 16, verse 13, the right, righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. Proverbs 25, verse 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. A word fitly spoken, that means a word at the right time. You can say a word at the right time, and you can say a word at the wrong time. <coughs> The word has to go with the time. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. So the picture is this. You have a, an apple that's made out of gold. It's not to eat. Yet it's just an apple made out of gold. And it's, it's meant to be beautiful, to be a decoration. But then it's set in settings of silver. That means there's something there that is like fingers or, uh, of silver, and when the apple sets in that and it's polished and you have this gold and this silver, it's beautiful and it makes sense. But if you just see the apple laying on the table by itself, it just looks out of place. And if you see the setting of silver without the apple of gold in you're like, what is that for? But you bring the two together and it's perfect. You see, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. So what Solomon is saying is words that bring life, that build up. There's a right time for them and there's a wrong time for them. Have you ever gone to a funeral or to a viewing and you're going through the line and you know you're, you're about to greet someone um, that you know has just suffered great loss and you're, what do I say? What do I say? And um, sometimes people just awkwardly say, how are you doing? <laughs> well, not good. Not good. A word fitly spoken. Sometimes it's just, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. You know what Job, when he was going through incredible loss and suffering, he didn't need people to come and talk to him. He just needed people to sit and lament with him. To weep. There's a time to say things, and there's a time not to say things. A word fitly spoken. My boys wrestle. 
And I am sure with both of my boys, lots of times, what I said to them after a match was not fitly spoken. Maybe it needs said, but it needed an hour to cool off. You know what I'm saying? Like it's t- there's time to say things. There's time to keep your mouth shut. You know, an encouraged word, an encouraging word from someone will build you up. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. A good word will encourage, will build up, brings life. It cheers someone up. Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 25, 15, a soft answer will break a bone. There are times that our words can be like gas on a fire. And there's times where a soft answer, controlled words, can be like water to a fire. Just puts a fire out. And a wise person knows how to unload someone's gun, not put more ammunition in it. Does that make sense? Like wise people, like bring life, like a word fitly spoken. A soft answer turns away wrath. A wise person in the moment of, of, of conflict learns to guard his words, to check his mouth. Because if he doesn't, it will tear down, it will destroy. A person who has self-control and the wisdom to respond in a soft way diffuses the situation and brings life. Proverbs 13, verse 3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Why? Because of the mouth of a fool invites a beating. But who is wise and guards his mouth preserves his life. See, words have power. Words can bring destruction and words can bring life. And number four, we need to evaluate the fruit of your words. You need to evaluate the fruit of your words. Proverbs 18 Proverbs 18, verse 20, from the fruit, there it is, of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. From the fruit of his mouth, his words, what he says. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You need to evaluate the fruit of your words, of your mouth, of your life. You know, sometimes you need to evaluate the tone. Sometimes the words we say aren't necessarily wrong, but the tone that we say them in are wrong, which makes them wrong. Evaluate the fruit of your words. Your tongue is the most powerful weapon you have. It's either a weapon of destruction, of cursing, or it's an instrument of life and blessing. We must evaluate the fruit of our words. How do we evaluate that? Some, some people just talk too much. They just talk too much. You need to evaluate. You need to ask people, do I talk too much? Sometimes we need to ask our spouse, our family. Because we often grade ourselves on a curve. Sometimes when my wife and I are meeting with someone, she'll say to me afterwards, she'll just be like, you know, we just need to be really careful to listen which is her way of saying you talk too much. (laughs) Sometimes when we're meeting with someone and for the table, her foot like bangs my shin. That's a... (laughs) You need to evaluate. Some of you just talk too much. 
you have really good things to hear, but no one can hear them because you talk too much. There's others you need to value. Some of you don't talk enough. You leave people wondering all the time. What are you thinking? Now, sometimes it is better to leave them thinking than to leave them knowing. But you know, especially for men, husbands, fathers, sometimes your words are destructive because you don't say I love you. You don't say I'm proud of you. We've all heard this story of a woman who asked her husband if he loved her. I actually knew a guy who did this. Do you love me? He said, well, yeah. She said, well, you never tell me. He said, I told you on our wedding day, if anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> I know a guy who did that. He doesn't come here. <laughs> Some say too much. Others don't say enough. You need to evaluate. And one of the things you need to evaluate is like when you're in conversations with people, Sometimes you need to step away from that conversation and ask, who talked the most? If it's constantly you, you talk too much. I don't know what else to say. Matthew 12, 36 and 37, Jesus said, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Ouch. Jesus said, I tell you this, on the day of judgment, every person will give an account for every careless word they speak careless or unprofitable. Verse 37, for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Now some of you are like immediately, well I thought we were justified by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. Yes. But Jesus said that we're not, what goes into us is not what corrupts us but what comes out of us. And our words just give evidence to whether or not we're born again or not born again. Does that make sense? So you're evaluated by, like you're, you're given account, like your words, what you say and what you don't say gives evidence to your salvation. There should be enough evidence by the words you say that you are, you aren't a Christian. Now I know that I still use my mouth at times as a weapon of destruction and discouragement. But I know that if I evaluate my words now and I evaluate my mouth 12 years ago, I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I ought to be, but I'm not where I used to be. That's why I say perfectly no, but increasingly yes. You need to evaluate. Are you cleaning it up? Is it getting better? That's why Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. The fruit of your words. Give evidence. But this is also why we so desperately need a Savior. So we like desperately, like we need the gospel. We need saved from our own depravity and our own humanity, from our own sin. That's why we need the gospel. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. You need to ask the Lord to help you control your words. You need to ask the Lord to give you words of grace. The psalmist prayed this, Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, 
over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Some of us need to pray that prayer every day. God, would you place a guard over my words? Would you place a door over the lips of my mouth? So how shall we tame the tongue? It starts by admitting if you have a problem, admitting you have a problem. You will never gain victory if you don't say, you know what, I have a problem. But it's so easy to be blinded to our own problems, to our own sin. So this is where, when we, if we seriously want to evaluate the fruit of our lips and our mouths, sometimes we need to go to those who are closest to us. Maybe a spouse, maybe a parent, maybe a child, and ask them. When you evaluate the words of my mouth, do they bring life or do they bring death? And then just be quiet and listen. Don't argue. Be a safe person for them to respond in a way that is helpful. Remember, you just need to ask people. Sometimes you need to ask people to hold us accountable. And then you need to surrender your speech to the Lord. Put your tongue and your words and your lips under the control of the Lord. God, help me to speak in a way that's gracious. Help me to speak in a way that builds up and brings life. But I think after a message like this, we can all think back to things that we said in the past and we carry so much I just can't believe I said that. I, I have lots of those stories in my life where I look back to something I said and it was, I can't believe I said that. But here's the beauty of the gospel. If you're saved, your identity <clears throat> is not in what you did or who you were. This is a Tim Keller quote. Shame is about who I am and what I did. Conviction is that's my sin, but it's not my identity. And you don't earn your identity. It's purchased by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, as we close today, would you ask the Lord to guard your mouth, to put a door over the lips of your, 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 over your words? Would you ask him to be a person whose speech is filled with grace, that it would bring life and not death, that it would build up and not tear down? And when we use our words in a way that are ungodly or that build or that tear down, would we be repentant and humble and say, I'm sorry? So let's go to the Lord. Just ask him to do those things in our lives. Father, we are so grateful for today. God, I thank you that you're a God of words. That you spoke things into existence. God, I thank you that you've given us the ability to communicate. Father, forgive us for the times that our words were destructive. Forgive us for the times that our words tore down. But God, help us to be people who fear you. Who use our words to bless to speak life, to build up.
in a way that honors you. God, set a door over our lips. Guard our words. And we may give grace to those who hear.